0: Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is an annual event at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and a very important one, particularly when you consider the intersection of engineering, technology, innovation, and speed, safety, all the things that go into modern and historic automobile racing. And the award is a very prestigious one. And as always, Steve Holman is here with the Louis Switzer Award Selection Committee to tell us about this year's recipient.
1: Thank you, Pat. As Pat said, we're here today for the 51st annual Louis Switzer Award presented by SAE Indiana Section and sponsored by Borg Warner. Our award committee this year consists of Pat Wilderman, Allison, John Widmer, Purdue retired, John Norton and Jim Bailey from Borg Warner, and our IndyCar sponsor, Technical Director Bill Pappas, and finally our Cummins crew of Larry Moore, Clay Dunbar, and our Rookie of the Year, Steve Driscoll who I don't think there's a racetrack within a thousand miles that he hasn't been to or driven at. So, Steve, thank you for uh, lending your expertise to the committee. Last year at the Speedway, it was all about the history and traditions. This year, it's back to the future and a new century of racing technology. We saw a Bell helmet that is fitted by first doing a 3D scan of the driver's head and we joked about the fact that that driver's head was Alonzo Fernando, and he's the only one that could afford that sort of procedure. But it's not true that it is a growing uh, phenomenon, and it works very well to create the safest helmet possible, and uh, that process will be coming more in common in the future. We talked to Honda and GM again, uh, they are continuing to do amazing engineering work to Eek Minuscule horsepower gains out of their engines in spite of a virtually frozen uh, rules package for this year compared to last year. So we look forward to that competition continuing also. Perhaps our most futuristic development that we discovered this year was with the Team Ganassi Engineers, the guys that were just sitting up here, and Tony Canon is working with their sponsor NTT Data. Tony has a Nomex shirt that has tiny little threads sewn into it that act as sensors to measure his body's heart rate, respiration, and muscle movement in his hands and arms. They have already discovered some things that will perhaps allow TK to remain alert longer and a better driver over 500 miles. And more importantly, this work is being done with long IMS history of being a testbed for future developments, usually automotive related, but not always, as in this case, where the NTT data work will lead to advances in medical monitoring. Instead of having to lie in a hospital bed wired up to a monitor, the patient can go home, wear this shirt, and have his vitals continuously monitored. Finally, our winner for this year has to do with brakes. What? Who needs brakes at the 500? Well, there were some complications with the previous braking system. Uh, one of which was some vibration issues which initially uh, were blamed on the tires because it was actually significant enough on the main straits here at uh, Indy that the tires were developing unusual wear patterns. Uh, races were affected by early pit stops being required by these tire wear. And of course Firestone eventually said nope not our problem and that was eventually then uh, directed towards the brake disc so then teams had to do extensive work on uh, further trying to balance their brake pad or brake discs and actually mate them or match them to the corners of the car. And that would uh, help uh, eliminate the problem today. But then tomorrow they would come back to the track with the exact same setup and they might have vibration or inconsistent braking on the road tracks. So there was uh, an open uh, uh, development opportunity for brake suppliers and the, our winner this year was able to develop a new manufacturing process for the disc that uses a CNC-type uh, control to continuously wind a uh, carbon filament to come up with a more consistently dense and equal heat, uh, heat transfer uh, throughout the disc to create a better disc, brake uh, brick disc. Uh, this, along with other improvements to the mounting hardware, Results in the 2017 Louis Schwitzer Award going to Don Bergoon, James Borner, Darren Kate, Paul Rankin, and Mark Wagner from PFC Brakes for the PFC Carbon Disc Brake System. Gentlemen. <laughs> One last comment on our winning engineers. Our main acceptance speaker today will be the engineering manager, Derek Dong. But he insisted his name not be listed on the, as a recipient on the trophy, but rather the four engineers on his team that actually performed the work, along with the founder and inspiration of the PFC company, Don Burgoon, who unfortunately passed away in 2015. So we have our first posthumous Schwitzer Award winner. Derek? If you would uh, join our uh, fellow Switzer members here around the trophy for some pictures and some presentations. We'll get that done and then you can uh, say some words about your development and take some questions. Okay.
0: And the trophy's nice and then there's this. So we'll hear a little bit more about the innovation and the process it took that led to the Louis-Switzer work.
2: Um, Let's let's start with a a simple question. Um, What actually stops the car? And uh, a lot of people think it's the brakes. Actually, it's the tire that stops the car. We stop the wheel. And... uh, it's been a many of you here in the uh, p uh, in the press room have recognized me for as I've been putting in a lot of miles here in open wheel racing and NASCAR and what have you, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> it's been one heck of a journey. And uh, during the original conception of the uh, DW12, ourselves and the uh, prior supplier were the last two still standing for the uh, iconic group to. Choose a uh, a supplier for the new for the new car, and uh, our competitor won the uh, the bid, but that didn't mean that uh, we weren't thinking about all the various uh, improvements uh to the system so we got a five year head start at finding out what was uh challenging the teams uh, during that uh, that the uh, since two thousand twelve and we started thinking uh, of many uh, different methods and what the root causes were of that was creating a lot of these issues with both torque variation with vibration uh, with uh, the um, the some of the inconsistencies that uh, carbon breaks uh, have been known for and uh, first off, when you think about uh, when you think about how carbon breaks typically run, you always hear that it takes a lot of temperature to actually wake up the carbon. And in uh, processes prior to us coming to the to the game, uh, typically you would have as much as doubling the friction value of a carbon break with temperature. So um, it became very, very difficult to uh, get consistency out of the braking system when you have the mu or the friction or the brake torque itself doubling with every 100 to 200 degrees Celsius in temperature. So it was always a rising uh, goalpost for the drivers to get used to. When we first got involved with uh, Carbon Brakes, it was back in 2006, and what we wanted to do was develop a product that actually had Um, cold bite uh, behavior, similar to your streetcars. And this is very, very unusual for uh, carbon brakes to have that kind of behavior. And that's how we pretty much got involved with it. Our first uh, adventure into carbon brakes was um, working in uh, GT1 and at the 2000, I think it was the 2008, Uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans. And if I remember correctly, I think our our car finished third. And that was the debut of the the continuous wound um, single-strand carbon matrix in automobile racing. Uh, Since then we have won the 24 Hours of Daytona, the 12 Hours of Sebring in the overall. Um, We have uh, supplied carbon to, for instance, the Delta Wing, uh, um, which is, as you can imagine, the uh, the challenges of, of drivability with carbon brakes on a car like that. And so uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, be asked again uh, to come um, participate in essentially a shootout uh, at, at uh, Road America between two other brands than ourselves. We had four drivers. It was a blind test. Uh, we had to produce enough to service uh, the um, these particular tests. And uh, one thing that it should be noted, what's unique about an IndyCar is it's one of the few cars still left that are running on 15-inch wheels. So when you pro- when you make a commitment to make carbon brakes for those types of cars, you have to start off with a circle that's roughly uh, 330 millimeters, and that's 13 inches in diameter. There is not one other racing series on the planet that uses a 330 millimeter carbon disc. So anybody who gets involved with this particular program, it's a full commitment. And uh, so uh, we we participated in the shootout. Uh, we got uh, all four drivers that were testing between us and the other competitors where there was a unanimous decision that we had the uh, the we had a behavior that most enhanced the car and uh, from a performance standpoint it, it it we haven't hurt the performance of the car and uh, as you know in uh, at Long Beach we had 11 uh, drivers under the track record here at the Road course at Indy, we had uh, another nine under the track record. So from a performance standpoint, we've not lost anything. And, uh, but we have been able to reduce much of the consternation that the, uh, the teams had been fighting with the previous supplier. Um, the founder, uh, Don Burgoon, was an avid open wheel uh, enthusiast. He actually uh, raced in uh, Dan Anderson's uh, F2000 series back in the 90s. And uh, so uh, from our DNA we have been involved with open-wheel racing as long as I've been there, and I've, and I've been the head of the motorsports department for 21 years. So we, uh, we're glad to be part of the family. We want to thank uh, the uh, Louis Schweitzer Committee for, it was a great interview, tough questions, uh, very great, gracious audience, and, uh, and uh, we'd like to, uh, again, thank everybody here for participating in this uh, press uh, announcement, and we're here to um, bring some excitement from an engineering standpoint. Wait till 2018. Uh, we've got a lot more uh, tricks in the bag, and uh, I hope we'll uh, be able to be up here at this podium again. So uh, without with, without a little bit of history, would, I'd be happy to answer some questions if it doesn't get into actually how we produce some of this stuff. <laughs>
3: A couple of questions for you. Um, I have no technical background, so hopefully the questions are not too stupid. (laughs) You said in the very first beginning, the, 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 uh, the brake stops the wheel, and the wheel stops the tire, if I understand it correctly. What will happen when between the wheel and the tire is no harmony, which happened long, long time ago in Le Mans? So there must be a harmony. If the tire is not fitting to the wheel very perfectly, and maybe the brake system is also not working perfectly.
2: I think your question is um, this harmony thing that you're talking about. You know, when um, I think one of the strengths that any company who gets involved with IndyCar, they have to understand the dynamics of the vehicle almost as well as the guys who, who, who produce the car mm-hmm. and the guys who engineer on the car and, and the guys who actually work on the car. And I think that's one of the things that we do better than most is we have to understand the grip model of the vehicle very, very carefully because uh, particularly with these, uh, with the uh, the current aero package that they've got now, there's a certain percentage of the stopping is done because of the drag in the car. There's a certain amount of stopping because of the adhesion of the tire to the ground. And there's a certain amount of um, torque Output that the brakes are going through to uh, enhance that stopping event. Now, when I talk about a stopping event, these cars currently with full downforce are capable of doing a 5G stop. Now it's not quite up to what a Formula One car does, but you gotta remember with a Formula One car, they also have regenerative brake systems and they have uh, electric servos that actually are helping with the braking event as well. So from a mechanical standpoint, this is, this is pretty robust, particularly when you think about the fact that it's Firestone that's producing a, uh, a controlled tire, and the fact that um, uh, it's a very tight spec on the aero package, and the wheels, it's been a carryover from the old cart days. So as you, as you pointed out, to be able to find little, little bitty nuances, percentages of nuances of improvement within that very tight confines is very difficult. For instance, if we were on 18-inch wheels, uh, we could probably uh, enhance the braking event even more so because we would have more real estate inside the wheels. But saying that, the, uh, it, th- that's part of the challenge, isn't it? It's, it's not about what's, it's about being able to optimize what is in the package that you have today and also understand the little the little um, areas of improvement uh, that you can find for tomorrow. Now, the the uh, probably one of the areas that surprises a lot of people is just how much the, the brake system actually affect the tires. Um, the uh, you, you know you hear in NASCAR all the time that uh, there's degra- or there's uh, air pressure buildup inside the tires. And an IndyCar is uh, no different. And uh, and, uh, it changes the handling of the vehicle. So it's, right now uh, uh, we get a a, a unique opportunity in that with the new 2018 car, we'll be able to actually uh, be at the ground uh, level of working with that particular group so that we can enhance um, the, the, the cooling and everything around that would make the car better uh, without uh, having the amount of downforce that they have today.
3: I have two more. Okay. Uh, I think that braking behavior is very individual regardless of road car or race car. So maybe in IndyCar, Helio Castro has a different braking behavior than Carnan. He has a different bra- braking behavior than Schilton, et cetera, et cetera. So each driver is maybe better to the brakes or harder to the brakes. How can you put this into account? And the second question is, is, is this brake system simply done for carbon fiber, or can you adopt it in the road car business also for steel brakes?
2: I'm sorry, what was the second? The, th- the second
3: question, is this simply done with carbon fiber brakes, or in the road car business, can you adopt it also to steel brakes? <laughs> I must,
2: have, I must have prepped this guy. <laughs> Actually, one of the it's an interesting it's an interesting. Um, I'm gonna go at part at, at your your part three of your question first. We got involved with carbon brakes not because of the racing aspect of it. We got involved with carbon brakes because of the uh, the commercial aspect of it. Our first goal was to design um, a carbon brake system that had good behavior at, at cold temperatures, because no one had done that before. And uh, if you know anything about performance friction, we started off as a friction manufacturer. And uh, we brought something to the table that the, uh, the other carbon guys hadn't, and that is drivability. And uh, so we understand the uh, breaking event probably better than most. And from a commercial standpoint, you know, our goal was put this stuff on school buses, trains, um, big, big, heavy uh, delivery vehicles, what have you. And most people don't know that. Although Performance Friction, uh, roughly fifteen to twenty percent of its product line is racing. Um, the other is actually uh, supplying road car brakes and racing brakes to other venues out there. Where a lot of people would not know that we produce uh, the brake discs and pads for most of the school buses in the United States. We, 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 are, um, we, are, we supply the US Postal Department. We supply to uh, FedEx. We supply to uh, U-Haul. So, um, and uh, we're OE, I believe, on the Ford SHO, the pretty much all the police interceptors. So the the, uh, the uh, Chrysler, uh, uh, the uh, whatever, uh, Challenger, Challenger, or what? I'm not a road car guy, <laughs> so I can't tell you all the different programs because that's that's a different division of the company, but. Um, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a privately held uh, company. It's a, it's roughly 300,000 square foot building uh, for manufacturing. Everything that we do is manufactured here in the United States. Our distribution center is about 100,000 square foot, and uh, so we're just outside of the Charlotte, North Carolina community. The single biggest influence to the behavior of the braking event is the driver, absolutely. And um, the key to understanding uh, that the driver can really upset the car and how your brake system uh, enhances his ability to... to, um, to use his skills to drive the car. You know, one of the things that I, I keep telling people that the lap times that we've been able to help improve here has not been about the stopping power. It's been about the the ability for the brakes to release and have good behavior, because you're not making lap, lap time under braking. You're making lap time because you're carrying speed through the corner. And if you don't have this massive friction rise with temperature at the last third of the stop, then you have this modulation and drivability that they haven't had before. And um, you'll notice that the the Firestone guys tend to like us a lot because we don't square off their tires quite as quickly. And you'll hear from the drivers, and all of them will tell you the same thing, all of them will say you don't have enough bite. Bite is the initial response that the brakes have, but any world-class driver will tell you you don't have enough bite But at the end of the day the acceptance criteria is the stopwatch And if you're quicker, they're not going to throw your ass off. Excuse my language (laughs) We're good. (laughs) They're not going to throw you off so um, and then if you don't have uh, issues that Take away their ability to drive the car, which is vibration, judder, um, uh, erratic torque behavior, uh, the inability to find a sweet spot in the balance between the front and rear tires. Uh, it, it, it's all part of it. There's not one element. It's 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 a it's a whole package thing, and you'll see that one of the one of the things that. I think that's a, one of the strengths of the company, is that we 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 get we dig into the car pretty heavily. We, I mean, we we help with understanding the geometry of the brake pedal, the master cylinder sizes, the brake lines, the brake fluid. I mean, it's not just one thing. We're we're, we're involved with all of it. So,
0: I have one just a, a follow-up question. In a previous Switzer Award winner. I was amazed, because I'm not an engineer, about how much we are doing now with simulators and the ability to test parts and parts in different sort of situations. So how much time is, is, is devoted to, to testing a product like this in that sort of simulation frame before you have confidence to say, we're going to put this on a driver's car and have them go out there and, and test it real time?
2: You're absolutely asking the wrong guy, because in my opinion, we don't have nearly enough time for any of that. And the and the problem is is the problem is is that uh, until we go to an autonomous race car, you got a guy in there that gets pretty upset if you upset the car, right? And um, it's a very dynamic, very dynamic challenge in that you're constantly trying to figure out just how small that grip model really does become, and particularly with these cars because you're shredding off so much of the downforce in a, such a short period of time. I mean, you know, um, the uh, the the when you like. Those who have watched the uh, the road course grand prix when they were going down into turn one, I mean they were down to the, the to the two hundred marker, and some a little bit past that, and they still you and I didn't remember anybody not making turn one until the start of the race, of course, you know, but when there's when there's a bunch of guys fighting for the same piece of real estate, but um, it's. It is a moving target because whatever we have today, I mean, I want you to think about this. We're going to lose probably 1,500 pounds of downforce from next year. We're going to uh, gain a hell of a lot more top speed, right? So this makes your braking event that much longer, the apply time that much longer, and we haven't changed the amount of caloric value that it requires to stop the damn thing, right? So now, what we saw here at Indianapolis is really kind of a, um, a uh, kind of a prelude to what the new 2018 car is going to do for you. Because if you looked at how they were setting up the cars, you notice that they were taking as much downforce out of the cars as possible because of the long straightaways here. So they're, you know they're going to a low drag type setup for road course, and so they're they're. It was not unusual where peak temperatures at at, at this place was over a thousand C, and that um, the starting temperatures. They, we always try to help with the teams work on starting temperatures where we get both the front and the rear at the same the hit at the same time, because that adds better balance to the car. It, although we have less sensitivity to uh, rising torque with temperature. It's still sensitive when you're doing, you know, 180 miles an hour going into one over here. They want to be able to use all four corners of the car.
0: Steve, I think we've got a pretty good idea why we had an award winner here. Uh,
1: As Derek said, we had an amazing interview with him. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of the uh, technical issues that Derek didn't cover with us. So We had a fantastic winner to uh, share with you today.
2: I, I just hope you guys... Um, you know, it's a, it, the story. Really, is, is is about innovation for sure, but it's also about um, the, de, the 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 um, the the journey that it took to get here. I mean, we were those who have been in this garage area know we've been supplying to these guys for since the '80s. Carbon metallic brake pads for iron brakes have been around since 1986, when Rick Mears was the first guy to actually test them for us. And then in 2000, and then in, 19, in 1999, and this is when brakes were free; they could run anybody else's product. We had 100% of the field on our brake pads. And in 2001, we we designed a brake disc. And in 2001, we had 100% of the IndyCar teams or Champ Car teams uh, on our brake discs. And then when the IRL and the um, cart broke up or split up or Champ Car split up, we had won 100% of the Champ Car races. And we had won all but one of the IRL road course races when they were on bro- iron brakes on the road course. And then for when the when we found out that we weren't chosen for the the DW12 for the for the 2012 season we were still knocking on the door for the 6 years that we were out of the garage area so our acceptance by the Louis Schweitzer committee really is a, a testament to being that overnight Success that took us six years to get back into the garage area, and I think that's particularly with Don uh, Bergun, the the founder of the company. He uh, he was quite a visionary, and I'm sure he's he's having a laugh right now at me trying to impress you guys with my intimate knowledge of the braking system.
0: And. <laughs> Did a nice job.
1: Let, let me give you one example of, of trying to impress you with this braking system. I've got a photographer friend who works here at the Speedway, and I was looking at his photos online last night. And he was down at the end of the road course, uh, what is it, Hullman Boulevard, Main Street, where they come into that sharp corner down there, and he was taking pictures of the car with their bright red brake discs. And he specifically pointed out that this year's brakes, it's a solid red, like your shirt is, whereas in the past there'd be stripes of different hot spots as you went around that disc, whereas this year it is just so clear, so bright red, even the photographers can tell.
2: (laughs)
0: Well, thanks very much for coming and congratulations. Thank you very much.